Hey, it's Ben and Vic from Vinyl Night. Join us live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's 5 p.m. Pacific. For the Vinyl Night show on What The Funk, we play tracks that you won't find on any other digital platform. We guarantee it. The rare, the eclectic, the funky, and the fun.
Excellent. Welcome to another Vinyl Night, freshly pressed. That was Willy Bobo, Artist of the Week. I'm excited about this week's lineup. I'm excited that you brought Willy Bobo as the featured artist and uh, to kind of talk a little bit about him for our listeners. Absolutely. So the first track you heard there was Mr. Shingling from uh, GC1967 uh, and then followed up by Willy and the Bojants, uh, Do What You Want to Do from 1971. Um, both of those tracks just rocked. What a great start to the show. You know, w- when I listen to Willie, I get this feeling of just euphoria, and I just feel great, and I'm reminded how much I love that, love music in general, but how big, of a, how big of an influence he's been in my life. And he's a particularly interesting artist to follow because as a sideman, he's played with literally everybody from Eddie Harris, who we've had on the show, Herbie Hancock, who we always talk about, Grant Green, and then a lot of the mainstream guys as well, Jose Feliciano, Terry Reed is a big I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, any any of your other favorite side side records that he's uh he's appeared on? Well, maybe a little bit. He what he did with uh, Tito Puente and Mongo Santa Maria, which are also people that we both love and adore and we pretty much don't leave the house with a few of their records whenever we go out. Absolutely. Uh, so Willie Bobo, Arts of the Week, a great example of what Vinyl Night's all around, uh, music discovery and, and sharing great music between friends. Uh, let's queue up the next track. This is from 1969. Uh, this is Sonny Phillips with Be Yourself. Thank you. 
Excellent. So that was Ramsey Lewis uh, with Hang On Sleepy from 1972, a, a Golden Gems record there, Vic, in my collection. Absolutely brilliant follow-up to Sonny Phillips before that. I want to say Sonny Phillips is another new discovery for me. I'm, I'm hearing him for the first time right now, and this is awesome. Every one of these players on this record is worth going out and finding. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things I love about jazz music, Ben, is just reading liner notes. It, reading these, you have Virgil Jones, Houston Person, Boogaloo Joe Jones, Bernard Purdy, Bob Bushnell, all people that we've played as sidemen yeah. and sometimes leading their own albums. And that just kind of leads to the whole point of why we listen to music on vinyl is the actual discovery, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So just talking of discovering vinyl, go to vinylnight.co. And you'll have a, a host of links there that will take you into different directions where you can listen to some of our mixes. You can interact with us on Facebook. Uh, you can check us out on Pinterest. You can do a whole bunch of other things. And we've already done too many digital things to promote vinyl. So, uh, you know, I like it, though. I'm glad you like it. So I'm going to suggest that we play another song. Uh, this is a uh, another um, track that, that flirts with disco, um, slightly slower and slightly longer than your average radio track. This is um, George Santana. Bye. 
Wow. Freddie Hubbard, I think that's the first time we've played Freddie on Vinyl Night. I'm sure it's not the last. That was super blue and super cool from 1978. Um, what do you think we've got coming up on our mystery guest? Today? I have no idea, but if last week was any indication, I'm sure we're going to kind of be high-fiving each other in about 60 seconds. Well, look, for anyone who can't recall last week's show, uh, check out the replays on Dash Radio. Uh, but we had Alphonse Muzon on, who's uh, just one of the most badass musicians uh, out, out there. And, um, you know, it's going to be an incredible, funny, tough act to follow. Um, we would like to introduce our guest in the studio, Mr. Uh, Kevin Donan. How are you this week, sir? Fine, Ben and Vic here, you know, just, just magnetic to the airwaves with uh, these great gems of songs that uh, a lot of people have uh, possibly forgotten, but the names are legends. This is it. We feel like it's not a history lesson. We feel like it's a uh, more like a, a, an exploration of our own biology sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about this both on the air and off the air. One of the reasons we really cherish uh, Kevin's contributions and hanging out with him at his record store as the record turns is it is a conversation. It's about discovery. Um, and you get steered into a different direction, I think, off vinyl that you might not with any other musical format. And uh, that's one of the things that we're trying to do here on Dash Radio, just keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, for anyone who hasn't been to Kevin's store uh, just off Hollywood Boulevard, as the record turns, it's got to be one of the most exciting spots uh, I've ever been in. And, um, you know, we're just lucky to have you here today. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And uh, our doors are always open and our knowledge is free. Yeah, so that's what counts. Fantastic. So without further ado, we have someone on the line. Uh, this individual is a very, very multi-talented professor as well. And uh, it, when he's not touring, he's always uh, educating people. And uh, in more ways than one, beyond music, he's a very uh, humanitarian individual. And uh, I've seen him uh, perform uh, straight-ahead jazz and been blessed to see him with Buster Williams and Lenny White and a few other people together jamming. But uh, I've just been so happy to have someone that I can reach out to to talk about some things other than music. But tonight, we're going to have the uh, pleasure of talking to Mr. Gary Bartz, who wow. uh, to me is one of the most talented people I've ever met. And uh, he's played with everybody from Miles to almost Jesus. So Incredible. Mr. Gary Bartz. You, is, is Gary there on the line? I, I am. <laughs> oh, fantastic. It's great <laughs> to band, hear you. The, the band... The band with Jesus was really great. <laughs> I'm sure. Were you at the Last Supper? I mean, because your discography is so massive that I wouldn't doubt that you actually recorded with those guys. In Jerusalem as well, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hometown. <laughs> so, Gary, how are you? Where, where are you based in the world? Um, I'm based yourself? between um, Winona, New Jersey, and Baltimore, Maryland, and I work and I teach in o Oberlin, Ohio, so I'm all over the place. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're, this is an absolute privilege and honor. Um, I know that you've oh, shown, shown up on, on so many of my favorite records, and, uh, you know, Vic has just got that grin on his face like he wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bartz, I got to tell you, this is a real special treat for Ben and I to oh, talk to somebody you. who we can go to our shelves and pull out some of your albums and uh, we've played them at some of our vinyl nights with our with our friends, and this means a lot to us that you would take a couple minutes and talk to us tonight. 
Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Fantastic. Um, and you're, uh, you know, I've just been doing a little bit of Googling since you came on the air. You're now teaching? Uh-huh. And how is, how is teaching, am. how is passing on the gift going? It's, it's really much better than I ever thought it would be. Okay. Uh, my parents wanted me to have something to fall back on, and so they encouraged me to go into teaching, but I, I just wanted to play, so I fought it for many years. But since I've been doing it, um, I'm still learning. I learn from the young people. And are they playing so, your kind of music, or are you, are you consulting with them on their, on their kind of composition work, or how does it work? All, all of the above, yes. Fantastic. Um, the, it, it's interesting to see this generation and how this generation interprets um, what my generation interpreted. So it's very interesting. That's cool. And one of the things we like to do on this show is we like to mix the modern with the vintage. Um, and we do mm-hmm. like to try and find you know, those kind of musicians that are, that are putting out records now, either for the first time or still going. And, and mix it up with people from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And are you, are you enthused by yeah. what you see out there with the, with the younger generation? you think there are some great players coming through? I think, uh, yeah, I think every generation has great musicians. I think there's a problem today because there are no bands for the young musicians to really learn how to do this night after night, playing the same songs with their elders. Okay. Um, that, that is a big problem and something that um, we need to work on. But other than that, yeah, the musicians are as good as any other era. Fantastic. Well, that's good. That's good thought process for us. I think what we should do is play one of your fine tracks. Uh, Kevin, do you want to tell us what we're going to listen to? Uh, this is a 1973 recording on Capitol Records, uh, Music is My Sanctuary, which is uh, one of, one of the uh, songs that have been plastered throughout the world. And, uh, of course, you know, he is a double-time Grammy Award winner. And uh, Gary has been working hard with uh, musicians and, uh, like, uh, he's worked with Miles Davis all the way through uh, McCoy Tyner, who's a dear friend. I mean, I remember one time I was on the I was on the phone and said, Kevin, I got McCoy in the passenger seat. We're jetting to the airport. <laughs> so I, I'm privileged to, to, to be able to call uh, Gary, who is such a such a great talent, fantastic a friend well, as well. We're looking forward to hearing this track, and we're looking forward to talking to you again, Gary, in a few moments. Okay. Music is my sanctuary. Music is 
Gary Bart's Music is My Sanctuary. I'm ashamed to say that was the year I was born. Uh, <laughs> you might have been conceived of his album. Do you know what? That's very possible. I, it did something to me yeah, which right. kind of stirred up a memory of some sort. That was, uh, that was unbelievable. So. I, I saw a twitch. <laughs> That's just the power of music. Gary, I have a question for you. Uh, according to some stuff I read online, uh, you got your start. Um, sitting in with Art Blakey's band at your your father's club in Baltimore? Well, uh, not quite. Um, I did join the Messengers from my dad's club in Baltimore, but uh, my I had been with Max Roach and Abby Lincoln a year prior to that. Mm-hmm. So th- I would say that I, that was my initial um, foray into the professional world. What a way to uh, start. What a way yeah. to start. How old were you when you when you were playing with Max? I would have been uh, 23. It's incredible. Yeah. I'm speechless. Yeah. People just don't get that kind of, you know, education. You, you only have to look at, you know, someone like Gary Bartz's discography and and who he's worked with to see that actually this is this is, you know, goes back to a point that we talk about 
actually off air quite a lot, which is about how bands are discovered and how bands are developed. You know, Gary, you developed yourself as a player and then played with all these people. And that has to have been a good thing for the creative process for you, right? Do you think that kept you writing or do you think you, you know, did you ever, you must have been so busy for all those years. Um, well, it, it was off and on. It was off and on. But um, it, it was, um, I mean, it, it was really a very, very golden time period. Um, you know, I, I consider myself very lucky to have come along at that time period. Uh, Charlie Parker had just passed away mm-hmm. um, two years uh, before I graduated from high school. Uh, actually, three years before I graduated from high school. So when I moved to New York in 58, you know, the bebop era was just ending, but it was still, um, I had a chance to meet and play a couple of numbers with Bud Powell one night. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was very, um, very uh, exciting. Yeah. And what's it like playing today? Do you prefer to play with a trio today or do you prefer to get a bigger group of people together? How 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 are you feeling at the moment? I like all of it. Okay. <laughs> I just love performing music. So depending on what the circumstances are, you know, normally I, I have a quartet. I've had a quartet or a quintet for most of my life okay. uh, because I, I see the value of band. A working band is a laboratory, and the only time music has ever made any advances has been through a working band. Now, when you get a bunch of all-stars together, which will draw people, it's nothing but a glorified jam session because you haven't worked on any material <laughs> exclusive yeah. to you. So you're either, when you go, when people go to see this music today, they're either going to see a jam session or if the musicians are reading music, they're going to see a rehearsal. Right. Um, and I like to tell my students, you have to learn the music. You don't. You don't go to, to a play and watch the actors read from the script. You don't go to a movie and watch them reading from a cue card. When I just saw Stevie Wonder, me and my wife went, saw Stevie Wonder Saturday night. They, they played for four and a half hours, almost 30 people. I didn't see one sheet of music. That's a band. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I think you're... Uh... You're spot on there. And we had Stevie on the show earlier on with Boogie on. Yeah, in my opinion, Gary, uh, jazz musicians never got the recognition for some of them having the classical training they had, but for the body of work they could play or improvise or do night after night after night with, you know, personnel mm-hmm. being, you know, swapped out for a, a, B, a B track or an mm-hmm. A track. And I'd love to know right. from you, is there any sessions that you were actually supposed to sit in on and for whatever reason, scheduling or bad weather or something, it, it never happened and you still think about? <laughs> um, I, I would probably have to go back and think about that. But, but something you said about classically trained, um, I, I don't look at it as classically trained. What is called classically trained is just musical training. Mm-hmm. Because the music is older, that music is older, so there's more material for you to study. Um, so that's where every musician I know did this cl- uh, uh, musical training through books, from Clifford Brown to Thelonious Monk. I, I had a, 
I actually stayed in the, his old apartment for about six months, and I saw the Bach, um, you know, books that he had that、mm. he practiced, and I know that he did that. That that's the only way you can get proficient on your instrument is to do your musical training, and so、um, it's a misnomer. That's why I don't I don't use these labels of jazz and pop and rock and rap and all. It's all music to me. And so I studied music. I I don't study.、Uh, there is no type of music for me. There's only music, and so that's what I study. Fantastic. We'd love to hear some more of your music right now, Kevin. Have you got another track from Gary lined up? I do, but before we go, one more、uh, step onto the cliff.、Uh, <clears throat> my, <laughs> especially with Gary. Gary, I, my question is, what was it like with Miles? I mean, because oh. Yeah, well, that was one, that was a high point、um, because he was such an artist, and and like I say, you know, it, it's it's about being an artist. You can say music. You have people who are musicians, and you have artists whose medium happens to be music, and and that's what Miles was. He was an artist whose one of his mediums was music.、Um, So, but、um, that experience was、uh, one of the high points of my life. I mean, I, I, my third show with Miles was at the Isle of Wight,、oh, yeah. which had now they're saying eight hundred thousand people. It could have been more because when I looked out in the audience, I, all I could see was people. I could not see the horizon. <laughs> so,、um, you know, but things like that.、Um, And always first class, and seeing how he led the band, and seeing how serious this music was to him was so important to me. Absolutely, that's a fantastic memory.、Um, we'll have to go and look out and see if we can find some footage from that bit. I have one other question,、uh, Gary, and、mm-hmm. and、uh, just to make it brief, I know that、um, that you've been close to the Coltrane family. What was it like? Because I know that your your body work with Pharaoh and other、uh, saxophone players,、uh, you you always embrace them. What was it like with、uh, Coltrane? Well,、um, and I always say、uh, I've been around two men in my lifetime who were,、um, I guess you could say, Christ like or Buddha like, and one of them was John Coltrane. Um, the other was Malcolm X, but whenever I was around Train, I, I was so in awe I, I could barely speak around him. <laughs> I just watched and listened. So、um, that that's how how great、um, an effect he had on me. That's fantastic, amazing, awe inspiring words there for Mr. Gary Barts. I'm just speechless. I feel、yeah. like we're getting a backstory to one of the most amazing musicians of our time, and and it's becoming so real and、yeah. intangible. I'm just kind of beyond myself that we have Gary on the phone right now. I would love to、um, ask Gary about the next track. If if you tell us what it is, Kevin, Gary could give us a little bit of background to it, and then we're going to hear it. Well, he's going to tell you about two because there's <laughs> one that I. Lifted up about sixty boxes today, looking for <laughs> Shadow Doom, which I couldn't find. 
that Tribe Called Quest oh. did, Gen- Gentle yeah. Smiles. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that yeah. with, with your, your dialogue with, uh, with uh, Q-Tip and Tribe Called Quest. Well, actually, I was, I was shocked that they uh, had done that. And I hadn't heard it. Somebody said, I think I hear your voice. I think that's your voice singing on a Tribe Called Quest. Um, but the song Gentle Smiles was really written by uh, Reggie Lucas, who had worked with me and went on to work with Miles Davis. And he brought in the instrumental. We did the instrumental. And I thought it needed more, so I added some lyrics. I wrote some lyrics to the song, and um, that's that's how that occurred, like that. Um, but when when they came out with it, I was I was I was happy, but I was shocked. And and it amazes me because a lot of the so-called hip hop and the the rap generation they all know that song. It's iconic. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely. Uh, yes. One one yeah. album that I like is uh, uh, Cinderella, and it's a beautiful uh, album on Prestige Records from uh, 1974. And Saint Felix Street mm-hmm. is a one of my favorite oh, yeah. songs. We're gonna we're gonna need to drop that. Do gentlemen want to say anything? Yeah, absolutely. So how did uh, how did this particular record come about for you, Gary? What was uh, what was going on in your life at this point? Cinderella. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Well, I was living in Brooklyn at the time. I think I had just started working with Miles Davis, and I had just started my group in Two Troop about a year previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was living in Brooklyn on a street called St. Felix Street. There was like a lot of musicians. I actually lived next door to Betty Carter. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Stubblefield was up the street, Hubert Eves, who wrote that song. I actually lived down the street. Stafford James, who was the bassist at the time with me, lived up the street. It was just the musicians and artists. The the Becks, the Julian uh, Becks, the Living Theater, they lived on the block and it was right across the street from Brooklyn Academy of Music, BAM. Mm. And so the whole neighborhood, um, Cecil Taylor lived around the corner. There was just a, a really good neighborhood in Fort Greene. Amazing. Um, it says on the back of the sleeve here, Gary, that uh, the engineer on the record was Eddie Harris. Was that a different Eddie, Eddie Harris, Harris or was that the Eddie Harris that yeah, we know? That's a different, yeah, that's a different Eddie Harris. <laughs> we had to ask, Gary. We, we had to ask. It just looked like a great record all over there. Um, well, look, we are... Ex- ex- well, you know what? That, that, I conceived that as a stage play, ah. um, St. Felix Street. It was conceived as a stage play. And um, I know Stanley Crouch has said, man, you ought to, you ought to try to put the production on, um, which maybe one day it might see the light of day. Amazing. Exciting. Well, we're going to hear it now. Um, this is St. Felix Street from uh, Cinderella, 1974. Thank you. 
The sounds of Cinderella, Mr. Gary Bart. Um, this is live on Dash Radio. This is the Vinyl Night Show with Ben and Vic. And it just remains for us to say thank you very much to our producer, Mikey, for today's engineering and uh, support on the show. Um, Mr. Kevin Donan from As the Record Turns. For thank you very much. Another fantastic, insightful. Um, Mr. Gary Bart, our absolutely fantastic, phenomenal special guests live on the phone. Thank yeah, you, Gary, thank for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. For the rarest of original vinyl. To bring you music you won't hear on any other radio platform. None of it is digital. This is how music was meant to be enjoyed. This is Vinyl Night.